Big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their takes on the current challenges of the market, and we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, AJ and Vincent chat with Aaron North, CMO at Mint Mobile. He talks about how brands have a need to commit to their promises when it comes to selling a product. AJ participates in the headquarters egg drop event, and Vincent has seven cucumbers for lunch. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I am your always happy host, always annoying sometimes because of the happiness that I have. Class happiest, 1996. I say 1996 for a reason, 95, 96, we'll get to that in a moment. But I'm happy to be here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships at Starista, coming at you, not live, but hey, at least I'm live now. It's so good to talk to you. Let's take a moment just to talk about Starista for like 20 seconds. That's all. Let's pay some bills. I'm kidding. There's no bills. But we are a marketing technology company. We own our own business-to-business data, our own business-to-consumer data. We help companies get to that data, to utilize it, to get new customers. We have our own email sending structure. We own our own DSP called Adster. We do connected TV, OTT. We do display. Email me, vincent at starista.com. I love hearing from our listeners. I love hearing from our co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him. Tennis champion, San Antonio Slayer, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. We just had a little team building exercise in San Antonio. We had the egg drop. I don't know if you've ever done that. Ah, no. Uh, yeah, like company picnics, I've done that in the past. It's, yeah. it's like throwing. You guys were outside, I hope. Uh, no, it was inside, but we had this kind of large plastic uh, sheet on the floor. But basically, uh, every team gets an egg and some material to try to uh, protect the egg. And then Jenna climbs on the ladder and uh, throws the egg down. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's awesome. So only only one accident. I won't name any names, but it was Steve Rinaldi's team where the egg cracked on the carpet. Let's name names. Let's know. Let's <laughs> all of our listeners out there. It's, let's name names. You know, you already brought it up. Yeah, uh, I, I, I guess we'll, we'll find out if uh, Steve and Shelby listen to our podcast or not. All right. So Shelby, that's uh, it was obviously Shelby Seal uh, who uh, who did it. Uh, shout out to Shelby <laughs> Seal and Steve Rinaldi. But uh, that's awesome, a team building. You know what I did today? I was, uh, you know, my wife packed me like seven cucumbers and that's it. I was like, what is she trying to tell me? I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Am I a rabbit? How am I eating (laughs) seven? Have you seen, you see how big I am, AJ? Six, one, two, 20. You think I'm eating cucumbers? But anyway, that was my team building is uh, just eating some cucumbers. But that's uh, awesome. I'm happy we do that there. I love coming into San Antonio, depending on the time of the year, and, and doing some team building. Looking forward to that. In December, December we have a summit coming up. I'm looking forward to that. This next guest might, I would love to ask this next guest to be on our summit. It's a virtual summit, uh, you know, because I think he'd be great. I already spoke to him. I'm very, 
very excited about this next guest. You know, I, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast where, you know, where like I would have hung out with this dude. I would have hung out with this lady. You know, we, we would have been in high school at the same time. I hope he's okay with me giving away that information, but he, he looks extremely young, so uh, he, he's okay uh, with it. Just, just like I tell myself I look young for, for my age. You <laughs> disagree with me all the time, AJ. But, I, you know, I, I, first of all, I love the story. I love the company that he works for. And we would have been friends. We would have, we would have we'd talked basketball. We would have hung out. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you're going to love this next guest, the CMO of Mint Mobile. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron North. What's going on, Aaron? Hi, good morning. How are you guys? We're doing amazing. I, I love if you're watching us on YouTube, and not a ton of people do. Everyone listens to us uh, via audio, and thank you for, for that. But Aaron's got, that's the most beautiful, that's, that's a real background. It's Me actually, a, a, it's yeah. a backyard. It's a backyard. <laughs> I, I, was, I had to ask him, as a person who lives in Manhattan, as our listeners know, I was like, what is that? Is that I heard that's, those are backyards. That's beautiful. You're joining us from sunny California. Aaron, it's it's so great to to talk to you. Would we have hung out in high school? I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I would have been the elder statesman, uh, mm -hmm. but I was, you know, a very inviting person. Had a broad yeah. group of friends. Loved sports. So yeah, I think yeah. we'd be able to to hang for sure. I think so. I think so. Or you're just being nice by saying that. As AJ, I could see him smiling. He's like, well, you know, would would we and you have hung out in high school, AJ? I, I, I don't know about the question, Vincent, but I feel like your uh, life's cucumber has thrown you in kind of this uh, crisis mode where you're like, would people hang out with me or I not? Or, <laughs> yeah, or would they exactly. just have cucumbers? Well, yeah, because I was the guy, I would have been the kid at lunch who just had cucumbers. Nobody likes that kid. <laughs> Nobody likes that kid. But anyway, Aaron, so, so great to, to talk to you. You, know, we, you and I met uh, you know, before and talked. And I love your story. I love what Mint Mobile is doing. But you know, talk to the listeners out there who maybe live under a rock and don't know what Mint Mobile is. But talk to us about Mint Mobile and then your job within the organization. Yeah. Um, so, well, first off, thank you for having me. Um, five nine, one hundred and seventy-five. Since we're doing height and weight, apparently. <laughs> uh, kidding, of course. Um, the story of Mint. So, uh, the story of Mint not coincidentally starts around the time I joined the company. So I have the prestigious luxury of being the person who helped build Mint from the ground up. Uh, Mint Mobile is a wireless service provider. So just like T-Mobile, Verizon, or AT&T, which I'm sure you probably have one of the three in your phones right now, we do provide uh, wireless service. So the way our business works is we buy wholesale from T-Mobile and because we buy so much at wholesale prices, we're able to sort of package it up and resell it as our own. Mint's special sauce is that Mint is the, I don't know if we're the explicit first, but we're the first sort of to scale uh, direct-to-consumer wireless brand. So the concept behind Mint was, you know, the wireless business has been a very traditional brick-and-mortar business forever. You go into a wireless store, you talk to a person, you give them your phone, they give you a new phone or they switch your service, whatever. That's, that's the model. We saw an opportunity to uh, really turn that model on its head and digitize the entire business. So Mint's promise or premise was always, you know, incredibly low, affordable, premium wireless, direct to consumer, and really 
everybody who's a direct-to-consumer guru knows that the business model is quite a bit different since we don't have stores, we don't have employees running stores, we don't have to pay for lights. Our cost structure and operating structure is different. And, you know, with that sort of delta, you have the choice of either keeping it as profit or giving it to the customer in the form of lower price. Uh, that's what we've chosen to do. So Mint offers wireless starting at 15 bucks a month, which is insane. Uh, most people immediately reject it when they hear it because they feel like there has to be something wrong with it. Um, then when they finally make the turn or they try the product, they get frustrated because they're like, damn it, I should have had this years ago. Um, it's a very, very bizarre and fun thing to watch because you can see it almost daily in social media, people sort of going through this path. Um, and my role here, I have two roles, actually. Uh, you nailed it. I am the chief marketing officer, but I also have another role here that's mostly accountability is not really a title we sort of carry around, and that's commercial owner. And the shorthand for commercial owner is, you know, I build the forecast, the budget, and basically the business around the brand. And what's really interesting is I'm often faced with the dilemma of, you know, who gets to win, right? So like, does the customer win with this initiative or does the company win? And what I'm really trying to balance is create that symbiotic relationship where both the customer wins and the company wins. And we've been really successful in doing that so far. And it's entrenched into a lot of the marketing and programs we run just because sort of like that neat dynamic of having, you know, marketing leadership also be brand and, and sort of business leadership here as well. Very interesting. Very interesting. The unique balance as well. You haven't really heard that balance of the CMO that, that we've had on. So that's yeah. uh, and, very and it is different. And I'll tell you, there are still some things that remain constant. I have an incredibly tight relationship with our chief financial officer, who's a co-founder and our CEO, who is the founder of the company. So, you know, with a brand that's D2C driven by media, you've got to have a really firm grip on what your business is doing, what the brand is doing. And having that tight relationship with both the CEO and the CFO allows us to operate quickly and operate you know, decisively. We are an action biased org. So we like to make moves. We measure once, cut, but cut with a little extra. So if you have to recut, you're not, you know, you're not hurting yourself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're definitely action biased. And I think this structure gives us the ability to move very quickly. No, no, I like that. And I like the way you break it down and, uh, and explain it. And I know our, our listeners will as well. Aaron, talk to us about a very popular question for many reasons, because, you know, for those people who are looking to pursue marketing or get into marketing, talk to us about your path. You know, what, how, how did you get into marketing? Well, I won't go too far back, but I will tell you, my parents wanted me to become a doctor, my dad especially. So when I started college, I was in the biomedical sciences program, which was the pre-med program oh, wow. <laughs> at uh, UC Riverside. Um, I did that for about three years and I was miserable. I, I mean, miserable. Like you cannot, it, it was very hard. I'm not smart enough, naturally gifted to like just know this stuff. So I was dying studying and not really enjoying college. I switched to business with an emphasis in marketing and it just, it just clicked. It made sense and sort of like finished school having fun and having good grades, but like started my career agency side, spent a decade over there and 
look, the agency model is very, very challenged right now. I, I, I don't know if I could say it's broken, but there's a lot of things that need to tinker with it. Uh, but the benefit of going agency side for a decade is I worked on a ton of marketing campaigns. Just the sheer tonnage of an agency is, is like nothing you've ever seen. And then I went client side. I got my MBA. I always knew that like it was very hard for me to only be the person who's the recommender, right? Like here's our recommendation. Here's what we hope you choose to do with your business. And it's sort of a gut punch every time your recommendation is turned down. Uh, it was very hard for me. You know, I think being close to creative, you get to sort of like, you sort of wear these programs on your sleeve, your heart on your sleeve with them. And it was hard. So I got my MBA because I realized to make the switch to client side, many of the Fortune 500s require it. So I did that and then made the jump to Taco Bell, was there for almost six years, had a phenomenal run there. I got hired right as they were going through a bogus beef lawsuit and the brand was sort of on the decline. Our team repositioned the brand. I mean, that manifested with a new tagline, but there was so much more behind it with product ID, product definitions brand architecture, new releases of new innovation. So it was a really fantastic time. And then got a cold call, got a cold call from a headhunter to join the fastest growing company in America. And I was like, look, I don't want to move. I love SoCal. I've got this rad backdrop called the backyard. <laughs> um, but they were like, it's in Costa Mesa. It's 10 minutes away. And I said, there is no way on earth the fastest growing company in America is down the street and lo and behold, it was. So uh, I joined the company. It was only ultra mobile at the time. Like I said, we, we built mint from the ground up this team here and it has been an absolute wild ride and fun uh, for the last six years. Awesome. Well, Aaron, I don't know if you know this, but we work uh, pretty closely with telecoms and I know this is a big season with the new iPhone coming up for some of our clients. So just a general question for you, what uh, kind of marketing channels are you guys uh, focused on right now? What's, what's worked for you historically? Yeah, uh, we're, we're a digital brand. So as you would expect, a bunch of our, our marketing is done in the digital arena. I will give us a little pat on the back here. So just about two years ago, um, we as a digital brand saw the promise of eSIM which is the big or one of the big announcements for the iPhone 14. We're the first MVNO to launch eSIM. Uh, we are on our, well, I don't even want to say what iteration we are because we're constantly innovating and simplifying the process. But uh, yeah, pretty proud to be the first eSIM ready MVNO and very ready for the iPhone 14. Uh, but as far as tactics are concerned, you know, we run a heavy mid and low funnel game. That's where, you know, digital marketers spend a lot of their, their attention. And we also run in some top of funnel because you've always got to keep sort of new eyeballs coming to the brand. So we run a heavy mix of varied media. I would say the only things we don't run are like sponsorships of buildings. So you won't see the Mint Mobile football arena. You won't see us sponsoring sport teams. Like we, we don't do that kind of work, but we're very heavy into digital. Um, we're getting more into connected TV and TVE which is exciting, but I think what you would find is that our media mix is very traditional with the exception of one thing, and that is that we like to have fun with the brand. 
and we're constantly looking for brand moments. And with an owner like Ryan Reynolds, you're able to do things that are both analog and digital that really sort of disrupt either from a marketing or a sales or maybe both perspective, um, which are most of the time non-traditional in their media vehicles. Now, not having physical store, obviously it's a great cost saving that you can pass on, but does it affect the way you market, especially in terms of loyalty marketing? Does that make it more challenging not having that store experience? Um, actually, you would think it, it plays into life cycle or retention marketing, but it's more of a hurdle on the acquisition side because the marketplace is so used to walking into a store and having an agent do everything for you. People don't understand this is a very self-serve like if you've ever downloaded an app or set up an account on something that's in essence what you do to set up your wireless and we've simplified it so much that it's very easy but people are still scared so what we've done is we've actually innovated with customer care so we've got varying levels of customer care our customer care is exceptional um, but there are people who just want more they want some sort of enhanced care service so we do offer that and it's pretty phenomenal like the agents are are trained and built for this but what they'll do is they will actually you call into care and you're like i want to set it up mint and i want to bring my number from verizon and i'm nervous and it's like cool let's call verizon together and they jump on the phone with you and they talk to the operator from verizon with you and they make sure it works before you hang up the phone which is amazing, right? Because we're basically taking customer service and the store and we're bringing it to the customer in their home, which I think is a big unlock for us. But once you have good service and you're set up, it's really sort of like, if you remember this, the Ronco uh, sort of like set it and forget it, uh, yep. like the, yep. the Ronco mm -hmm. oven. Uh, most people don't have any issues after you've done initial setup. So we find it to be more of a focus in the upfront but of course, customer care is always there throughout life cycle. Aaron, a question I have is more around, you know, you, you like even when you said you went to Taco Bell, you, you went in when there was, maybe not call it, it just maybe a transition. And then you also joined Ultra, you know, now Mint Mobile, when you built the brand. What, what, is there something that attracts you to that? Just like kind of taking what's already there and building something better? What, what, what do you think that is? Well, I, I do like building things. I think it's very, very fun. And I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Um, I've always been that way. Uh, so getting to Taco Bell, Taco Bell is very entrepreneurial. It's a huge org inside of a huge company. But when I was there, it was very entrepreneurial and ideas could come from everywhere and anywhere. And we really pushed against that. Here, this is like, I'm in a scale up right now, right? It was a startup. It is scaling rapidly. It's, it's, it's that idea of constantly being able to build and create new. It's in our core values as a company. We have, it's called invent and simplify. So we love invention. We love creating new, but like inventing with the goal of making things better is something I look for. So being in an environment that fosters that and allows that to cultivate, I think is really exciting. And it's something we do to our employees today, right? We, this is not like, oh, well, you're the CMO, it's your job to <laughs> create all the innovation. There are teams here that are doing this constantly and we create this environment where it's very, very safe to push ideas. I'm a big fan of failure. Um, 
failure for me is a proxy for risk. So what I tell the team is it's okay to fail. We fail here all the time, but we fail fast, we fail small, we fail cheap, and we fail forward. And if you think about the context of that, you really haven't failed because you've learned something. So I'm willing to take those failures all the time. And really what it's doing is it's telling our employees it's okay to come up with risky ideas and bring them in, right? We'll vet them. And if they're, if they're good ideas or they have kernels of goodness in them, we'll find ways to bring them to life. And I think that's really empowering. And that's really grown our ideas and our philosophies and our approaches to marketing, something that is you know, colorless, odorless, tasteless. You can't, I mean, you can't see wireless service. It just sort of has to work. So having that freedom has really allowed us to bring neat ideas to life. I love that. What a great philosophy. You know, if you're going to fail, fail forward and, uh, you know, encourage that. That's, that's a great philosophy. Aaron, uh, let's, let's talk about Ryan Reynolds for, for a second. Ha having a, a very high profile owner, how, how has that helped the process? Yeah, like it's amazing, right? You can't get any way around it. Um, but I think what, what is easy to forget is that, so Ryan joined, we announced in November of 2019. Um, the business had been up and going for some time before that. So it didn't launch with him, right? And a lot of the infrastructure and the support mechanisms and the constructs or concepts were, were there. Ryan is Jeff here. Ryan, you know, like that process doesn't happen overnight. And unbeknownst to us, Ryan had bought the service and was using the service. So he already had an understanding of like, you know, it is exactly what you would expect. It's just wireless service. There's nothing wrong with it. So when he came in, he already had sort of like proof of concept. He was very engaged and he does add this jet fuel. What you get is you get obviously visibility and awareness. You also get this amazing creativity with him and his team. George Dewey's the president of Maximum Effort, his agency. And working with that team, it's second to none. I mean, their creative agency is incredibly hot. I think everybody wants to work with them. We're very, very fortunate that we have their attention. But it's different in that he's an owner and he's an active owner in the business. He's very involved in strategic planning, where we're headed, and of course, the marketing. So it makes it really, really nice to have someone who has that kind of reach, but also that kind of connection to the brand. We ran a deflation promo um, back in June, right? The Verizon and AT&T raised price. We came up with this idea right before, I think it was Memorial Day weekend. And by like Tuesday of coming back, we had been texting. He was in, our company was already working on how to rebuild sort of the website and the pricing and things like that to support the promo. And they're big on fast advertising, which is sort of like advertising at the speed of culture. This is a bit more dynamic because it wasn't just advertising. It was changing the construct of pricing on the, on the brand. But we were able through, because he's so invested, because he understands and he's a marketer, it was easy for me to get the, the team to start building the infrastructure piece and to work with him on the communications and all that sort of connected in, gosh, I want to say like within two weeks, we had the idea baked, built, and live in market. And it's not like he just does this work and he walks away. He's super invested and asking throughout the whole program, how's it going? What's working? What's not working? 
show me performance and things like that so we can get better. So having that is a huge asset and it's allowed our brand to accelerate at a rate that you know we had never imagined. So it's quite fun. And it's also, it's, I don't know if rewarding is the right word, but it's also sort of, um, I guess rewarding is the right word because you have someone so invested and you've got this work that's out there and it's really producing a result that's sort of incredible. It, it is very, very fun and rewarding. And you've mentioned a few times how quickly Mint has been growing and the uh, great growth rate. Are there any specific campaigns that uh, you want to mention that are your favorites? Oh, we've had so many. Like we do campaigns just for fun sometimes. So uh, like, and sometimes we do stuff just to prove it can be done, right? So I'll give you a perfect example. Dave Foley tweeted at the brand and Ryan earlier this year, it was just like, I love these Mint Mobile commercials. I'd like to be in one. I didn't even know the tweet happened. The team found it. And I got a call from George, who I mentioned he he's, uh, runs Maximum Effort. I got a call from him as he was driving to a set to film Dave Foley. I was like, wait, what? We're shooting Dave? What just happened? Like, it was so exciting, right? And we, we shot, edited, and produced a spot all within like eight hours or something like that and had it out there. We did that because it was rad and fun. Um, I can't tell you that was like a giant needle mover in transactions, but it was so cool and so great. I love it. I love bringing it up. There are other ones that have been more transactional, also as fun. We did this Bobby Bonilla campaign a couple of years ago where <laughs> I, if you're a baseball person, yeah, sports he, guy, yeah. he's got the greatest contract ever written in sports. He gets paid for 20 years after he retires, right? Every July something, right? It's like yeah. every July he gets paid uh, about a 1.43 1. 1. Yes. Yeah. You I'm know it Mets, exactly. I'm a Mets fan. I know it. So, it's like oh. a holiday for us. <laughs> so yeah. what we did is we created a 20-year phone plan. Mint, Mint doesn't really have contracts, so we created the most insane contract ever for wireless, a 20-year deal, where if you paid 100 bucks a month, uh, excuse me, 100 bucks a year, you got 20 years of service or 25 years of service. We sold them. We sold plans. We sold like 150-ish plans. It was nuts because we had, you know, we're, people we had like a little side bet in the marketing team how many were going to sell one two three maybe four right to sell 150 was nuts but that campaign went crazy super fun and we do stuff like that we also do analog things that maybe don't get as much of visibility but um we send out a holiday card every year analog right like an actual stamped holiday card to our customers and they end up on twitter right? They're very fun. They're done in a very, I don't want to say irreverent, but on brand way where we do have some fun at our own expense and like make it light. And last year we included in the holiday card, a competitor to Elf on the Shelf. Uh, we invented this thing called Ryan on an Island. And it was a little paper standee and you could put Ryan, it said something like, you know, have Ryan versus the elf and see who will have like ultimate holiday domination in your house. Like something really fun. And that was all over Twitter. So, I mean, again, some of my favorite campaigns may not be the most transactional, but I think the brand component really lowers the barrier and invites people in. So 
while maybe not directly attributable to the transaction, I know that they're certainly opening up sort of like awareness of the brand and consideration. And what about, you know, uh, specific goals for this year uh, in terms of your marketing department? Are there certain KPIs that you track on an ongoing basis? Yeah, we're always tracking what you would expect. So um, we're always tracking awareness numbers, aided and unaided. We're always tracking performance, but ultimately as a performance brand, we track growth and we have crazy ambitious growth goals always with uh, Mint. And, you know, I can't even really say what they are right now because Mint is, it's, it's like nothing I've ever seen in that we planned the most ambitious growth years I've ever seen in my, in my life. And then we crush and we have to reforecast and create harder goals throughout the year. So we've just completed that exercise. Um, and I can't, I haven't checked my email today to see if like <laughs> the revised projections have been approved, but we're pushing even harder than expected. I mean, the brand's fun. It's got a killer proposition, 15 bucks for wireless. And look, we know, Believe it or not, a ton of people use the $15 product. Some people are probably going, yeah, but if that's not right for me, we do unlimited for 30 and sort of have plans in between 15 and 30. So it's really compelling. And there's a lot of good, good reviews around what we're doing. We get named to be like the hottest wireless brand, the best wireless brand, PC Mag names is the best, Wired the best. So got a lot of momentum. I think the hardest thing, it's such a hard question to answer, but the hardest thing is to not coast or decelerate. That is the hardest thing or the thing I'm constantly keeping my eye on is that we're watching acceleration and making sure that the acceleration continues. And Aaron, would, would you say that, you know, that trait right there, or maybe you have a few other traits in mind is kind of what separates yourself as a marketer, well, you know, how would you describe yourself uh, as a marketer? What are those key traits that separate you? Been like kind of a game changer for you. Yeah, I'm fiercely competitive as a person. So you got to know that going in. Um, when I was in sports as a, as a kid in high school, my coaches would always say, look, you're the easiest guy to coach in the whole team and just put somebody better than you next to you and you can't stand it. Like you have to be better. So like that's in my blood. And it's part of who I am. So I think that like never say die sort of mentality. I mean, look, when we started, we were telling people, you know, the way Mint works is you, you buy online, but you buy in bulk and that bulk saves you money. Like, yeah, of course, we're not like some of the cable operators where it's like sign up for 20 bucks and then you can never get the 20 buck price ever. It's just an intro offer for us. It's like sign up 15 bucks and yeah, you get 15 bucks after you just commit for a year we were asking people to commit for a year and the brand was like weeks and months old. Like that's a really hard proposition yeah. to sell, but you got to have a never say die mentality with that. And you got to work through those issues and sort of grind. I think that is a trait that has served us well. I think the idea of risk is okay. So we take, we sort of, have always parked 10% of our media budget in the unproven, the untested and the unknown. And because we've always built it that way from the start, like we wouldn't feel a pinch if all of a sudden we had to take 10% out. But that sort of like 
willingness to risk and, and fail, coupled with sort of the rubber hits the road, the media to support it, has allowed us to push and try new things. And I think that is really what helps us as well. We're in beta releases of new media vehicles. You know, we're in these things because we're willing to take a flyer, you know, on something small that has potentially outsized returns if it works. I think that's really helpful with our team. And then I'll be honest, like one of my best things is getting out of the way, right? Like <laughs> marketers got to know you're ruining this stuff by putting your thumbprint on it. Like I talk a lot about rounding the edges and how that's unacceptable, right? Like I like sharp edges. They cut, marketing needs to cut, cut through, get to the customer, et cetera, et cetera. So I also will make sure the marketing team knows that like, hey, we're not going to give creative feedback if it's not materially going to enhance performance, period. Like, I, I don't care about your preference. And we do a lot of training on this in-house because it builds rapport. It builds trust within our creative team in-house as well that like, if you write a good brief and you get a good creative solution, you execute it. You don't noodle with the edges for no reason. No, I love that. I, I, I love the way you break it down. And... For me, I'd summarize, we, we talked about it. If I had to summarize it, I would say some of those, you know, the benefits of getting a production up in like hours or weeks, that's a competitive advantage. The, you know, not having all that overhead from the stores. But in your words, Aaron, how do you stay competitive with some of those other providers that you mentioned? Yeah, we're... Uh, like, I think we have two things. I look at this in, so I've never worked in wireless before this. One of the things for me historically is I don't typically work in the same sector. Um, but when we came into this, I looked at this sector and at the time, T-Mobile was very much the uncarrier pushing with John Ledger and, you know, he was calling Verizon and AT&T dumb and dumber and things like that. What I realized is that the sector is broken right? Like there's not brand affinity or brand love broadly across this. I think of it a lot like the airlines and T-Mobile was doing a lot of this great work, really challenging convention and really Mint did the same, but with a direct to consumer lens. So what we're trying to do is right the wrongs of the category and do it in a way that's fun and light and never stop. We're playing offense the entire time. We're not playing defense. So I believe if we're solving customer pain, the industry wrongs, and we're constantly innovating in that way, that's offense and that's customer benefit, right? Like we're constantly trying to enhance and create customer benefit. That to me is the way you grow, right? You live in a world today where there may not be perfect information available, but holy shit, you can Google anything and get a ton of data and a ton of info, and you can really make educated choices on all the things you're buying nowadays. So I think brands have to commit to the promise. You can't just say you're going to do something. You have to constantly be pushing and innovating to bring it to life. Aaron, one of our staple questions here is regards to LinkedIn. I'm sure with your job title and where you work, you get a ton of unsolicited messages. So what's a, what's a way somebody can get through to you or your inbox and get your attention 
And what is something more importantly that really annoys the hell out of you? What are you trying to do to my LinkedIn box, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. I get, so look, I've already said we won't sponsor buildings or athletic programs. I guarantee you because of this podcast, I'll get 20. It'll be everything from, <laughs> and these are teams that I love too, like college teams. I love places. I would love to see games, but we just don't do it. Um, I too use LinkedIn for cold calls, right? Cause we do partnerships. We do stuff like that. That makes sense. The way I do it is I try and send a relevant message. Okay. And it's very short because we all know it's a cold call. And I oftentimes will say, I know this is a cold call. <laughs> if you're still reading, <laughs> I think the brands can work together. Here's why I get right to the point. Um, we get, endless amounts of solicitation, right? And it's often for stuff that doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know how to filter it out, um, but the way I do it is uh, I just tend to be transparent and short because I think if you're going to a decision maker, they just wanna get to it and if not delete it and be okay with no response. If you're sending cold call spam email, just know that there's, there's a lot of it out there and you might not get a reply. That's a good one, Aaron. What's, uh, so a lot of our viewers tend to be younger marketing professionals and students and such. What's an advice you'll give somebody who is trying to get into marketing uh, that would make them successful in this field? I love that question. I get asked that question a ton. I interview any candidate who's coming into the marketing department. So I get a, I get a chance to talk to a lot of young marketers and I give them the same advice. And the advice is when you're young in your career, don't worry about the money, okay? I see so many people, like particularly young, young marketers following money and promotions. Like don't, don't follow the work. I look for two things when I look at young talent. I look at where they've worked and what they've done. So it doesn't have to be a big name agency or a big name client but it better be a client or an agency that's doing interesting work. You're a marketer. Take less early in your career to get better opportunity. When I see two candidates and one comes in and has worked on a brand that I know and on campaigns that I respect, top of the stack. If it's someone who worked at places I've never heard of on brands I have no idea or the marketing is mayonnaise or wallpaper, whatever you want to call it, it's just bleh. You're going to the bottom of the stack. I just don't, like, those are the things I'm looking for. I don't care what school you went to. I just don't care, right? To me, it's about your ability to make good choices after school. And that first choice is where are you going to work? And I know some places pay more, right? That's fine, but they're not doing stuff that's going to build your skill set. You're at a very foundational level as a young marketer. All that work's going to build you up over time. I worked at a not very popular agency, but I worked on the California State Lottery as one of my first accounts. Everybody knows the lottery. I was able to work on things that were really transformative. We created this campaign called Millionaire Made Here. It was based off an insight that like people believe stores are lucky. And if a millionaire was made there and you talked about it, more people bought tickets there. Well, that was something that was like easily transferable as a marketing learning and something I could interview and talk about as like 
it's a high high profile client with a really unique marketing tactic that you know we were instrumental in. I thought that was those are the types of things I'm looking for when I look for young talent. Um, so I really really challenge folks to find something. If you're a marketer, you should be pushing. You should find a place that will allow you to push and get exposure. Don't go to a place that's just going to put you in a corner. It'll hurt you in the long term. I love hearing that, especially with the the school thing, right? You know, a lot of people always think that, and maybe some places do, they kind of just look for certain schools and they will just search based on that. You know, I went to SUNY Oswego, State University of New York of Oswego. It's a small school. A lot of people haven't really heard of it, but, you know, we just have to work harder. They just yeah. make, make, separate yourself. I, I, I love that advice, Aaron. <laughs> I went to a UC school, UC Riverside, and it's... Look, I love my alma mater, but it's not the most prestigious. You got UCLA, you've got all these big name schools, but I am a firm believer in what you put in is what you get out. And I really applied myself in school um, and grad school for that matter. And I think that manifests itself after, right? You see it in people's work product, but I don't care where you went. But if you got great learnings out of there and you've made good marketing decisions in your first early career moves, then yeah, I'm very interested in what you have to say. Yeah, isn't it funny how in, in the beginning, you know, you go back and you graduate and you put like your GPA on there and then you get some job experience. Like, you know, you, you no one ever cares about that. Afterwards. Yeah. Oh, you still don't do that? Wait, yeah, yeah. I, I got to take mine off? Yeah, no, I, I have it. I have it tattooed on me, my GPA. I don't I don't know if I want my GPA, uh, you know, uh, out there, but no, it was not bad. But uh, no, no, I'm really curious, Vincent. Yeah. No, I'm no, still my... rocking my letterman jacket for my academic letter, <laughs> you know, not just athlete. I was nice. a mathlete as well. <laughs> yep, that's it. The mathlete. No, uh, no, my GPA was pretty good. I was, uh, I did all right. You know, it wasn't a 4-0. I wasn't uh, the valedictorian in my, in my class. But I did all right. I, I was well-balanced, AJ. I did a lot there of activity. There you go. Well-balanced. Well-balanced uh, person, you know. Uh, I'll uh, get it out of you next time we're drinking. Oh, yeah. AJ, no, it's not AJ I feel like you got to tell us your GPA now that we're all we're Yeah, all I know. It's uh, <laughs> If you didn't have a, you better add a 4.0. I bet you, you know. Only in grad school. But uh, my uh, my graduate degree was in creative writing. I think it was hard not to get a 4.0. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But my, 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 my was my was in the threes. Don't you worry. It was in the threes. I think it was like three, is winning. Yeah, winning is winning. I was Dean's list. I think it was like three, four, three, seven. I don't know what I was. It's uh yeah, I watched the studio as we go. They fact check it and comment on it. But uh <laughs> <laughs> we're hoping all the records are sealed and not. Uh, yeah, yet. this yeah, this is I know just basically me. We just listen to this. I'm kidding. We have a lot of listeners. Uh so uh, Aaron, talk to us about personal side. What, what do you, you, what are you into? You're a big sports fan. You're a Lakers guy. Yeah. Huge. Um, yeah. if we were doing this in my office, you'd see, I've got a purple wall. I've got an autographed, uh, Kobe poster and, uh, Oh, that's right. I did yeah. see that. I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. I love the mama mentality. Uh, it's weird, right? Like I, I, I don't get up at 3am, uh, to go do practice, but I do, sort of pace and think. And I do really believe that you can outwork your competitors. So I'm a hard worker, probably to a fault. Um, but I do like, I do like to create balance. I almost just said, I like to party and I can't remember the last time I partied, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I do like balance and, um, I like it in the form of I surf. So 
Uh, I do like to get out in the ocean and probably out there two or three times a week. It's just such a neat physical release. Like you're so exhausted when you're doing it and you're sort of out, gosh, I'm going to get real hippie here. You're out harmonizing with the water and feeling the vibe and the energy. And you get this, like when you're done, you get a clarity because of the physical exhaustion you just don't have doing other stuff. So I really love that and got a family and love spending time with them and yeah, so it's pretty it's pretty fun. Plus, I've got this beautiful backyard that I get to enjoy. I love it. Summertime. That's uh, that's amazing. So, who do you football wise NFL? Is it? Uh, uh, my heart, my heart has been broken. So, I grew up in the shadow of um, Angel Stadium, which is where the Rams used to play. Yeah, and then I used to be able to ride my bike there, so I was lived pretty close. Then they left for St. Louis and won a championship. And the owner was like, oh, Southern California, uh, thumbs down on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's look at, let's move to St. Louis. No so I abandoned the Rams and became a Charger fan and then uh, was a hardcore Charger fan. And then they left San Diego. So I have no team. I am teamless. Yeah. All I root for is my fantasy football team. Yep, same. Um, which is sucks, but like, it's also just the way, I guess, business has infiltrated the NFL and sort of taken some of the charm away. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I root for, my team name is Doormat uh, because several years I got walked <laughs> all over. Um, nice. But I have one at the, the Ultra Mint Fantasy Football League 2016 champion, so. I love it, yeah. Uh, our last place trophy is the Kunkel. It's uh, our VP of marketing. <laughs> he just comes in last place every year. And uh, AJ, for the first time, has, has joined the Fantasy Football League here and uh, has his first win, his first win. By the time this comes out, maybe he's one in four, who knows, but no, he at least no, has no. his first one. Oh, congrats. Oh, I, uh, I had a great week, but got roped. I went against Patrick Mahomes, who scored, you know, damn oh, five touchdowns. Yeah. 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 Look at us all. Oh, I know. I know. Everybody but, feels yeah. the pain. But, Aaron, <laughs> yeah, you could be a Rams fan again. They just won the Super Bowl. It, yeah, you didn't jump back on the bandwagon, which I appreciate, <sighs> but just you made a statement here on the marketing stir that you didn't jump back on the bandwagon. But they're there. The stadium is beautiful. You got, you got you got a great coach. You got a quarterback for a number of years. Cooper Cup, come on. Yeah. Uh, we give you permission. Yeah, I'm, I'm not there yet. I, I, I feel like it's too soon, particularly after winning the Lombardi trophy. You got to like give them they got to be terrible again. Then you can start rooting for them. I like that. I like that attitude. You're not just jumping on the Golden State Warriors or uh, that. I, I love it. Nope. That's yeah. uh, good. Good stuff. Aaron, this has been awesome. It's been great. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for breaking down uh, some of your tactics and your, your you know, methodology there. We appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Aaron North, the CMO of Mint Mobile. Check them out, please. This is uh, AJ Gupta. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.